0: Hi, everyone. This is Olga Matt. Happy Thursday. I, I have a fantastic guest with me today. And we're going to be talking about sourcing and diversity, important conversations. Um, Amar, why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Hi, Olga. Hi, everybody. All right. So uh, a real quick background and, and also probably lends well to an introduction of what I do. So I've been building businesses my entire life. And you know over the course of building bricks and mortar businesses, you know I found myself paying a lot in legal fees every time I bought a property, sold a property, etc. So that led me to law school and I I became an attorney. But the irony was that when I went to law school, I wanted to pick up the legal skills and bring them to my business world. I found that I ended up also bringing my business skills to the legal world. So to this day, I have my family owned company that my brother runs. I handle more of the uh, strategy and the legal. But then I, when I was in law school, I identified this opportunity, which formed the company that we're going to be talking about today and what we do.
0: Awesome. So did you actually practice law?
1: I practiced law for my own company. So, you know, real estate transactions, buy, sell, et cetera, leases, uh, franchise disclosure, document reviews, et cetera. So I practiced law for myself and only for myself.
0: OK, but the business has inspired you to law school. So tell me how, how that was. Did you enjoy law school?
1: You know, law school was different for me because, you know, I actually got my MBA before law school. So I was already in a graduate program in advance of law school. But I went back to law school probably uh, six years after my getting my MBA, which was immediately after getting my undergrad uh, business degree. So for me, I was a little bit older in the classes than most of my colleagues. I took mainly evening classes. So I was working full time the day and going to law school full time at night. So it was a little bit of a different experience for me than probably most law students in law school.
0: There is no one way to complete a law school, and certainly there is no one way to practice law. So right. uh, the diversity of background and 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 I really love your unique class is definitely exciting. Um, tell tell me how from business to law to now justice. Be tell tell us how that happened. I
1: went to law school, uh, and it was right around the height of the recession in two thousand nine. I also noticed that a lot of the CEOs and CFOs of these major corporations were calling upon the law department and saying, guys, you have to watch your legal budget, right? Watch your legal spend. And in some cases, we'd like you to work with procurement. And it was really unheard of back then. And then I saw the emergence of RFPs in the legal space.
0: You know, RFPs are very interesting. Um, you yeah. know, they're quite boring. You know, there is, the center of excitement is not where RFPs are. usually. Exactly. So how did you get excited about RFPs?
1: Well, you know, I've always been of the business mindset. So for me, it was, uh, you know, I think it's really, you know, a sourcing strategy is really indispensable to any business and, and legal operations or law departments should be no different. So the reason why I got excited about them, because I saw them more, not only as a mechanism to learn more about the supplier or the law firms, to learn more about their approach to a particular matter. And it's almost like an education mini crash course every single time you send out an RFP. And you're always learning. So if you get excited about learning, I mean, that's the side for me that really got me excited about RFPs.
0: <laughs> that's a very positive spin on, on RFPs. <laughs> I'll kill that in my next time. Yay for learning. Mm-hmm. Before we talk about kind of um, legal departments, let's talk about sourcing. Yeah. Uh, you tend to think that sourcing is important. I want to know all about it and tell me why.
1: Yeah. So so sourcing, again, When whenever you think about deciding on working with a supplier whether it's a legal tech vendor or whether it's a law firm for a particular matter you know i I always think of it as should be a data-driven decision and and making it a data-driven decision i think is really where sourcing comes into play you know back in the day it was like all right i went to you know i I, i'm an in-house attorney i went i came from this one firm i know some of the attorneys i golf with or you know i have drinks with i'm gonna just call them and give them the business there wasn't really much data you know behind that decision the RFP process, I really believe, accelerates and brings data to the forefront in making these decisions. And it's not necessarily being done on every single matter. I think data has got to be behind it, right? So, number one, whenever you're looking to, you know, hire for a future matter, you should be looking at data of past similar matters. So, data is important there, right? What were the facts of that similar that matter in the past? What did we decide to do? Who did we hire? What was their strategy? And what was the result?
0: You know, I, I do think that, that data really just sort of helps to, um, to make smarter decisions. Because when you have a population of one that you choose from, um, that, 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 mm-hmm. you know, on the one hand, it gives you a comfort of knowing that person. On the other hand, you really limit yourself with choices there. And hence, uh, you, you never know if you want taking the best and making the best decision. Um, Look, the business side of law has been getting a lot of attention lately, Um, and, um, you know, you have a background in business and you have a background in law, but how did you get interested in the business side of law and specifically sourcing?
1: Well, you know, I think that was the beauty of it. If you remember when when I said I went to law school, I really went in with the mindset that I'm here for three years to pick up my legal skills that I would like to have in my businesses, And I really had the business mindset the entire time I was in law school. But I think it's because of that, right? Not only despite of that, but because of that, I kept seeing everything that I was learning from that business lens that ultimately, again, led me to identify the opportunity for Justice Bid. And had I not had that vision or that lens I was looking through. So the funny thing is, Olga, and I'm always happy to share the story, when I first launched the business, I launched it as a marketplace. and, And that model quickly failed. You know, we learned very quickly that that wasn't. We were attacking the right problem, but we had the wrong solution. So we went back to the drawing table and we built out a software as a service solution offering, and and that's really when things really took off. We were able to land some Fortune 50 clients, start growing, get some early adopters.
0: It is, you know, very interesting how um, you know we increasingly have a focus on on uh, sourcing in legal. And Amar, curious uh, about the value that your business provides to legal departments.
1: I think when you make the process of running the RFPs smoother, right, you're making the decision-making as close as possible to being objective using the criteria that you identify in advance of running the event, uh, scoring and weighting the event's responses. You're getting closer to making a data-driven decision. I think, to me, when you help automate that, streamline that functionality, corporate law departments and then you also have the use of templates ready to go uh, where they can now execute events on the go and probably get them out the door within an hour. You're making this easier and they're more likely to repeat them over and over again, which again helps accumulate more and more data to drive that decision making.
0: Why should uh, every legal department uh, embrace the sourcing?
1: I-, I think you're seeing a surge in this, uh, this trend. More and more law departments are embracing it. Had you asked me this question 10 years ago or so, most law firms and probably corporate law departments would have said wait a minute RFPs you know what are we pencils these are legal services we're different we're unique but now you're seeing more and more corporations readily accepting the value in running these events so i think you're going to see this trend continue
0: yeah uh, so tell tell me uh, if if you may, if you are a legal operator making an argument to your attorney who wants to use his relationship what is your best argument to to a lawyer who wants to use his, I don't know, law school body.
1: Yeah. I, I think it goes back to the data piece, right? To be able to say, listen, well, savings will be a part of this, right? If you're running an effective sourcing strategy, you should see some savings. And it's also going to be savings without sacrificing the quality of services you're receiving. So I think when you couple those two arguments together, uh, that's probably one of the most effective arguments that legal ops can make to their uh, stakeholders at the law department.
0: What is the upside? What is the upside of of this uh, data-driven relationships in terms of uh, choosing your, sourcing your uh, vendors?
1: Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to bring up a topic that's super important and passionate. I'm very passionate about that's diversity. I think when you're using data to make decisions on who gets the business, obviously, you're looking at things like pricing. You're looking at things of the quality of the service, their key impressions, key insights, but also Mm -hmm. diversity. And now when you're looking to say, well, who do I wanna hire on this matter? All of these factors come into play. And I think that makes a very compelling argument for why you should have a sourcing strategy.
0: Yeah, and and have you, have you seen the companies be excited about it?
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, especially this year, I mean, we've seen awakenings when it comes to diversity and social justice movements in the past. This year, I'm seeing it more sustained. I'm seeing a lot more interest from people. In fact, so much so that we've been doing, uh, as you know this already, Olga, most matters don't go through an RFP process. So we started to run diversity surveys for a lot of our corporate clients, and we did it so well and so differently that we now have Colin McCarthy of Legal Operators, right?
0: What gets you excited about um, the sort of the diversity part of, of sourcing?
1: Well, I'll tell you what gets me excited about it, is that now you're putting it front and center right next to pricing and quality of services, Right. As a, a factor to be considered. And, and I think in, in this day and age now, especially, everyone is thinking about this, right? How can we now think about being intentional with our matters and hiring more diverse attorneys on our matters? And for me, that that gets me super excited.
0: Yeah, that, that intentionality is really, you know, this is where the talking stops and acting begins. And increasingly, from investors to, to top you know, Absolutely. to board members to top executives. Uh, There is an expectation that we don't just, uh, you know, talk about it, but we actually do something about it. And sourcing software really allows you to measure it. What are the kind of things you're measuring to give those data points back to the business?
1: And basically what we've done is now we've reimagined how to collect diversity data, right? We've reimagined how to look at diversity data. And one of the things that really gets me excited is that we've also solved the intersectionality problem. Do you know a little bit about that, Olga, when it comes to intersectionality?
0: Go ahead, uh, explain it to the viewers. Yeah.
1: So, so intersectionality, assume you have an African-American woman veteran and you are a corporate client collecting diversity data on your matters.
0: So um, what, what, are, what are your thoughts about this, I guess, double counting, triple count.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's, it skews the diversity data, right? And it's not really showing the progress we're making as a profession.
0: During the pandemic, do you feel that the issue of diversity in sourcing has become more or less important?
1: I think there are two things that happened this past year or so. The social justice movement obviously has made this a lot more important with diversity. When you look at technology companies, minority-owned technology companies, to fact, do not get funded as much as their counterparts do. They're, they're, they're non-diverse counterparts, which means if you're a diverse or minority-owned company, woman-owned company, the facts suggest that because you don't have as much funding, you're probably not going to be able to sponsor as many conferences. Have many as many of your employees traveling the country, meeting with clients, and that might put you at a disadvantage. But the pandemic it equalized everything, right? It basically said, "Listen, no one's traveling right now."
0: No, no, you're right. I, look, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm running a, a business that was founded by um, you know a, a woman. Um, and certainly, I'm one of the few CEOs who, um, who, in, who is a woman in my industry. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I certainly know very well the, the question of funding and, and what it buys you and what it leaves you uh, out from. Um, and you definitely feel it. You, um, during the pandemic, it, it has been an equalizer, at least to some extent, uh, to some point. And then, of course... Um, you know, smart people figure out ways how to use money to their advantage and, and their size. So uh, it, it, that, that's a brief moment in history that usually doesn't last, and it didn't last. Um, but, um, you know, I, you know I, I definitely would like to see legal departments to um, not just question the um, diversity of their law firms, but also question the diversity of their vendor, uh, vendors. And I haven't, really, I haven't really seen much of that.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I think, you know, most people think it's only the diversity of the law firms. It should be of their suppliers. It should be of their own in-house teams as well, too, right? If we're talking about diversity, it shouldn't be only, you know, narrowly focused only to law firms. It should be broadened in to include the entire ecosystem. Because at the end of the day, we as attorneys, legal ops people, we're talking about the entire legal industry. We are, and especially as attorneys, right, we're bearers of the Constitution, right? That's what we're tasked to do. You know, uphold the laws, the rules, the regulations, the precedent, but yet we're one of the worst professions when it comes to diversity. That, to me, is irony at its finest, right? So I think we have to do better as an ecosystem, and that includes all different parts of it.
0: Yeah, I, I joke that somehow, you know, between law not always being inclusive and technology not being very inclusive, somewhere on the intersection of law and tech, it didn't become
1: better. It did not. It did not. It, it but, but I'll not. Oh, the, you've been you've been shattering ceilings, whether it was in your GC roles at the law firms, now in the legal tech space. I mean, it's going to take more and more people like you and me and others to keep on paving the way for others behind us as well, too. Because while we're looking yeah. forward, we also have to think about the next generation coming up and what we can do for them to help make this a, a problem that will be lessened in their generation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think the way together is with data. Because you know it's one thing to hear a passionate speech from Olga, you know, where mm-hmm. you know the Olga comes with a baggage and a bias and all kinds of things. It's another thing to look st- at a stubborn data. You know that's not passionate that that's much more objective. Uh, yeah. there is no baggage. it is it's it's a snapshot of where we are as a society, as a profession. And sure. the numbers are what numbers are. Um, there is yeah. no tweaking, There is no. There is no. Um, you know, misrepresenting or highlighting. It is what it is, and it speaks it for itself. The role models are important. You know. You know. It, it's. It's not what you say. It's what you do. Um, and and you know, our our kids, our next generation. They're smart. They yeah. they learn through words, but they also learn through observations. Yeah, we at the end. Why don't you give us uh, parting thoughts?
1: Well, listen, I, my parting thoughts gonna be focused on diversity. I'm really excited about operation Empowering change that we've launched uh, that I think is really going to make an impact on our space and diversity. And uh, I want to thank you for giving me the time. I'm always, I, I love talking to you each and every single time that we talk. You know how much respect I have for you. So this has been an awesome conversation. Well,
0: thank, thank you, Amar. Uh, thank you everyone for joining. Uh, as you know, I'm, I'm very passionate about the subject um i do look forward to the legal profession being more yeah. inclusive in in every way um i do think that the way together is through data and intention and uh, and 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 trying to do you know an extra thing every single day yeah. um so challenge yourself think look take a look at your sourcing practices and see how you can make an impact uh, there uh, and challenge your department, challenge your company uh, to do better than you did before. Relationship matters, but doing the right thing is also matters as well. And that's why we've gone to law school in the first place. Thank yep. you so much for joining. And uh, this has been a wonderful conversation. Bye, everyone.